Lost Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode, where tonight we're exploring the erotic thriller genre. Didn't think we were going to get there, did you? But we did, after 200 episodes. Ooh, so tonight, the Bad Monkey's Film Pick of the Week, Fatal Attraction, from 1987, directed by Adrian Lin. And uh, yeah, we're going to get to it later on. Uh, so, but anyway, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Gogi Keith. Can you be discreet, King? <laughs> I, I will not be ignored, ghoul. I can be discreet, King. What is fucking going on this week, fellas? <laughs> Good thing the monkey brought his cocaine and his sushi, because it's going to be a 1987 party later on in the show. And speaking of monkeys, the band Monkey, the Prince of Amor's Day, yes, get funky and sexy with it, monkey. <laughs> That's right, keep it a funky, keep it a fresh. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live via the satellite of love from the Drunken Monkey Real Tasty Clinic, where we, your demonic DJs of the dams, will come in your ears for the next two hours to bring you the latest at all news and movie reviews. So make sure you listen live. Listen on Spotify. Listen on iTunes. We don't really care which way you listen, just as long as you damn well listen. What's up, fellas? <laughs> Hi, Monkey. Hi, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we're also waiting on the Demonic Dean, who is who is doing some things, and he's going to join us in about like five minutes or so. Uh, so while I have uh, the ghoul and the monkey here, I'm going to take him into the Talking Terror boardroom, where we have our meetings and oh. pitches and things like that. So I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to pitch something to you, and let's see if we can get that $90 million, uh that Netflix gave Zack Snyder. Okay, you guys ready? You guys ready? You guys like uh, Jurassic Park, right? Jurassic World? Dinosaurs? Yeah. Cool. Right? Yeah. Fucking rad as shit, right? Cool. Yeah. Right. You guys also like Fast and the Furious? Fast cars, fast women, Vin Diesel. You like those? Like, do you like that, you guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Okay, so what would happen, guys, what would happen if Vin Diesel jumped a car over a fucking T-Rex? We just cross those fucking worlds, and we do a Fast and Furious meets Jurassic World crossover event. Be fucking killer, wouldn't it, guys? So you're talking about like the, the Jurassic. So you're talking about like the Jurassic and the Furious. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Are you saying the Jurassic two and Jurassic, the Furious? Two Furious. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, shit. Tyrese is going to be jumping off a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and he's going to be doing all these wicked fucking dives, and then you know uh, Chris Pratt shows up. And he's like, that's sick. And then he jumps into a pickup truck and then just does a wheelie with it. Like, would you guys buy that movie? Uh, sounds like a fucking Hot Wheels thing. <laughs> it does. Like, like, like a 90s Hot Wheels track? The Furious Hot Wheels fucking Jurassic, you know, Jurassic Park playset. Yeah, so because that's movie? not just me fucking around. 
Yeah, that's not me uh, fucking around and being like, oh, that's funny, guys. No, that's actually something that not only Chris Pratt wants to do, but also Justin Lin, who has directed a number of the Fast and Furious entries. Uh, he wants to see those universes cross over because he thinks that it has a lot of marketability. And uh, Chris Pratt is all on board, too. So, because if you watch the latest trailer for Fast 9, there is a scene where Tyrese is uh, in a spacesuit, and one of the cars turns into a rocket and goes into space. So we're there yeah, for Fast 9. You're no, fucking with me, right? No, no. Well, here's the thing, though. That's not all that far-fetched, guys. We are talking about a franchise <laughs> no. here where we have seen cars jump from building to building to building, and you know what? Again, they want to talk physics. Yeah, no, that's weird. science shit. <laughs> all that said and done. The reality is this. We are talking about a movie franchise with its recent offshoot, Hobbs and Shaw, that has Which brought was horrible. in super-powered... <laughs> beings, you know, through cybernetic enhancements into this universe. There's a scene yeah. in the Fast 9 trailer that looks like a car that gets knocked over onto somebody else, and I'm pretty sure we see that guy later in the movie, too. Um, yep. So I'm going to mm-hmm. guess that we're going to see these super-powered beings in the Fast movies as well, because it's all one shared universe. Now, bringing the dinosaur thing in... I don't know. That sounds kind of stupid. But sending them off <laughs> to space or something? I mean, look, man. Strap a fucking rocket to them. You know, fucking give them. It could be Tyrese and uh, whoever the rapper was in the fucking second movie that was just always yelling, Menasha! You know, the guy that fell oh, uh, the because he lost ja the fucking face. That might have been Ja Rule. Oh, yeah. He, ja, ja Rule was in the first one. Yeah, and Ludacris was in the second. And then, like, all the others. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, maybe Ja Rule from the first movie. I don't know, whichever one. He, he was supposed to get a menage a trois if he won the fucking movie. Yeah, if he won the race. That was, the that, race that, 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 was, that was Ja Rule in the first one. <laughs> uh, he didn't get it. There you go. He didn't, he didn't, and didn't get into the sequels either. <laughs> That's why, because he didn't get the menage a trois. But, because he, he, he became irrelevant, just like his music. <laughs> but, you know, if they really want to make an impact... Talk about our plans, what they were going to be. When we came back to five, it was just a dream, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's fucking... I might not... I mean, if they really want to do something really cool, they, at the end of Fast 9, the way that you end it, the way I'm thinking, at the end of it, when they're all having Coronas and they're all like, hey, another successful heist, you guys, am I right? All of a sudden, the DeLorean shows up out of nowhere. And here comes Doc Brown and Marty McFly. Oh, God, guys, it is heavy. We've got to go back to 1955. And all of a sudden, Vin Diesel's like, hey... I'm in. Let's go, family. And then they all just break out of DeLoreans and drive away. Fast 10. This time, it's back to the future. I'd buy that ticket. But do they, but do they travel back Doc, to the first movie? Doc never drove Yes, they have the to. Because, yeah. He did when he ran with me. <laughs> <laughs> because Dominic Toretto has to go back to 1955 and fuck Marty's mom. For no reason. Just to fuck with the timeline. <laughs> that would be weird. It wouldn't because they're not related. I just, I just don't see that working. I don't know. You know, maybe he just wants to prove a point. Like, you know, he beats Marty McFly in a race. And he goes, "Now I get to fuck your mom in 1955." And he's like, "Oh God, this is heavy, Doc." <laughs> nope. Afraid you gotta let him fuck your mother, buddy. Afraid you gotta let him just do it. He won fair and square. <laughs> oh jeez. This is heavy, Doc. <laughs> what if he begs my mom yeah. and we'll never be born? 
Sorry, but buddy. Then we, oh, but then we, like but then we have like flash, the, 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 then we have a flashback, you know, or, or flash forward to ten years later, you know, and or fifteen years later, and we have this CGI big buff Michael J. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Just Thanks, throwing Dad. Biff over his truck. Yeah. What'd you say to my dad, Biff? No, nothing, sir, nothing. I was just playing. That's what I thought, Biff. Just fucking mop too. I mean, the possibilities for crossovers are endless. I mean, hey, listen, at the end of Fast 10, you know, you know, Raiders of the Lost Car. I mean, fucking have Indiana Jones show up. He's doing another movie now. Harrison Ford is oh, doing another yeah, Indiana I Jones heard. movie. Yeah, I heard. You know, has him like crack a whip at one of the Camaros. This belongs in a museum. <laughs> Marion, but but, <laughs> but, yeah. but speaking of speaking of crossovers, I just want to sit there and actually do some real horror news real quick before the dean shows up. Ooh. Is that for all of you oh, Vampire Diary and original fans, there is going to be a special uh, reunion convention October fifteenth through seventeenth. Um. Coming up, Schaumburg, Illinois. All right, but it's going to be Vampire Diaries and the originals. It's going to be there, and yeah, it's pretty much and yeah, it's you know you're going to have guest appearances by Damon Salvatore, Stefan Salvatore, uh, Hope McAllister, Carol Carol Forbes. Like a ton of people are going to fucking be here. um, Here's the question. Here's the question. Yeah, Danielle Campbell's going to be there. That's all uh, I need to know. Here. Danielle Campbell going to be there. Davina. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking because it's a long fucking... Nope, it looks like she will not be there. Well, then oh, I there goes the goal. He's not going. There's Lost no reason for me to be there. <laughs> yeah. Why were you planning on going to a convention it. for those limited things in, in yeah. Illinois for, for that one person, Ghoul? Dude, she's so fucking hot. I would totally go there just to drool on her a little bit. Who is bit. this that you're talking about, by the way? <laughs> Campbell. But, but, but uh, the thing actually, it, this, this convention is actually touring around the United States. This is just the, the one coming up in October. I believe there's one in New Jersey coming up in September before that. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a weird-ass, you know, tour of oddities going around based on Vampire Diaries and... <laughs> And the originals. Well, there you go. Okay, so, originals and Vampire Diary fans. I mean, Davina's not going to be there, guys. So, that could be... Well, she's sort of... Neither, neither will be, neither will be Cloud. Like a Katie Holmes kind of look happening. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. Yes, uh, I know that new Totally Dilbert. my type. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Only one I knew from that show was Nina Dobrev. Yeah. And uh, she disappeared. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, welcome to the show, Dean. Oh, thank you so much for the warm welcome. Yay. We love you, Dean. I feel, I feel included. <laughs> Every way before your big uh, two-week break, so glad to have you here. Yes. Um, it was a scramble. You know, last, last week of work always brings, uh, you know, a variety of schedule adjustments and whatnot, mm-hmm. and... Uh, today was one of those days. We had our, our whole school uh, picnic today, uh, and um, usually on Wednesdays I can leave because of my schedule. I get to leave work a little early Wednesday, and that did not take place. And 
all of the time that I usually have at work to do the things that I do to get ready for this evening uh, could not happen. So it was like a mad scramble to get home and, and get ready. So thank you all for your patience with, with my tardiness this evening. No worries. Dude, it's just cool. Yeah, and you know, and it's and it's just you know, Dean has to do the hard work of like, all oh, right, all you teachers, they're gonna have a job here next year. Step forward. <laughs> oh wait, whoa, 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 not 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 so fast, Mrs. Crabapple. Um, yeah. Not you, Jackie. <laughs> Everybody have a talk in my office. <laughs> <laughs> Need to talk about your performance. Got a lot of porn <laughs> okay. stuff. <laughs> and, and we want to get too hard <laughs> Finally, on you, so Eddie, what do you have? I've been going full speed since this morning, so I can finally stop. I'm going to, in just a moment, um, crack a beer and uh, settle in here for, for the long for the long run of, of this evening's festive program uh, that we that we that we all work so hard and uh, you know prepare so diligently. But. That being said, yeah. I uh, immediately uh, want to ask because I know that the King of Horror was uh, waiting with, with so much great anticipation. Uh, so I wanted to find out if the King of Horror uh, viewed or participated in the, the live shutter panel uh, that took place uh, yesterday evening uh, to celebrate the arrival of George Romero's lost film, The Amusement Park, uh, arriving on the Shutter streaming service. Uh, King of Horror, did you get a chance to check out this panel, or have you taken the opportunity to view this film yet? Both. Yep, I was a part of the panel, and I watched it. So I actually watched it earlier in the day, and then I joined the panel at 8 o'clock last night, and uh, got to watch well, it us, again. Tell us about your panel. experience with and the panel, please, King. <clears throat> it was actually uh, really good to see Suzanne back, uh, Romero's wife, um, talk about it. Uh, one of the curators from Shutter was also there, and one of the members of the University of Pittsburgh Library Studies was also there to kind of talk about it, because I know you guys haven't seen it yet. I was actually going to make it a pick of mine coming up, but I don't think I will, only because it's only 53 minutes, so it's not a feature, but it is really fucking sad. So, oh, if, like if you guys, I know Ghoul... No, no, this is worse. This is uh, so. If, if Ghoul and uh, Dean, I know you have shutters like I do. But if you have a chance to check out the music park, it, it uh, is a tight running time, but it is also very sad. Uh, the, all about ageism, and how uh, you know, even back then, the elders were not being taken care of, and even now they're not. So it's kind of relevant today as it was back in the early '70s when Romero released that PSA. So really, you could tell that it has the Romero style, his film angles. Uh, even having uh, Lincoln Hassel, who played uh, Coda in Martin uh, in 1977, so, but it's it's well worth it. It's just it's not horror at all. It's it's but what happens to uh, Lincoln's character is pretty horrific. You know how people treat was, the elderly. So, was there any hmm. uh, circus clown music? Well, Calliope music. Yeah, there was, and it just it's people just being horrifically mean to elderly person. Given there was elements yeah. of Romero's film style, uh, did any pie fight take place? Oh, dude, that's no, uncalled no. for. No, I'm just yeah, being a silly monkey. Give it a rest. Give it a rest, monkey. Now you're just being a silly No, I'm really not. I'm just being a brick. No, no, no. Honestly, like, I am 
Is everybody dancing? With it, given its short 53-minute running time, <laughs> I will probably check it out. But like listening to the king talk about it is 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 pushing more in the direction of checking it out because I certainly uh, don't consider myself to be like a Romero completist. Um, I don't know if it's something I was watching. So, like, yes, I'm making a stupid joke, but I'm totally taking the King's feedback very seriously right now. Well, I appreciate that. And, and you know, it's just it's not a horror film by any means. But, yeah, it's just about an old man who wants to enjoy a day and, and uh, gets ruined, you know, over the course of it. So, yeah, definitely it's worth checking out. If only just to see what Romero was doing early on in his career after Night of the Living Dead. I mean, I have seen all his movies, and even the bad ones, like there's always Vanilla and Jack's Wife to a certain extent, but, you know, they're all worth checking out. I mean, I'm, I'm a completionist when it comes to Romero, so I'd like to say I've seen everything that he's done. And they're still working right. on that other, uh, the Sasquatch one that they're still trying to put piece together, right? Yeah, Jack Around the Joe, the, uh, the Florida Skunk uh, ape movie that he did back in 94, yeah. They are restoring that right now and preserving it, so with the intention to release it. Uh, hopefully on Shutter, if not on Shutter through DVD, um, because there is Iron City Ass Kickers, the uh, pro wrestling uh, doc series that Romero did back in the early '90s that got released on DVD, but nothing on streaming services. So I have to order that copy of that one of these days. But yeah, so yeah, Jack Around the Joe is one of them that might get uh, put on Shutter once they restore it. We'll see. So, but yeah, anytime yeah, I get to see another Romero thing that's been lost in time, I'm so happy to see. So. Thank you for asking Ooh. about the amusement park uh, as we move on. Yeah, and I, you know, I, you know, I had, uh, you know, June 8th has been part of, uh, you know, we've talked about it several times over the last year since they first announced it, and then they announced that it was going to be on Shutter, and then they announced the official date. So I knew the date yeah. uh, was rapidly approaching and, and knew that your excitement must have been at a high. So I definitely Peace. wanted to yes. just start off with talking about that right away. And uh, earlier... <laughs> Uh, in this show, uh, it was referenced about how uh, the fifth Indiana Jones film uh, yeah. is is being made, and uh, you know it is officially in production. Um, there have been a few photographs. Uh, the last couple of weeks, there have been some new casting updates, and uh, they started filming this week with some pictures from the set. Um, you know, there uh, was a photo of Harrison Ford looking like a fucking dinosaur uh, in oh, uh, yeah. Indiana Jones' yeah. outfit. And, Rough. And uh, also an image of someone, uh, you know, in like a like a youngish kind of uh, Harrison Ford-type mask on a motorcycle, which uh, leads uh, internet sleuths to believe that they might be doing some of that aging some of that for some type of, uh, for some type of um, flash fantasy. But, yeah, now it seems. You know, uh, we know that there is a new director uh, stepping behind the camera. The for, camera. Uh, or, oh. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, uh, we can argue about the merits of the Crystal Skull, uh, but oh god, I know. Given the <laughs> I mean, how old? How, when did that one? Anybody remember when that was the year? Like off the top of the head, like, like 2010, 2011. Right, you, know? you mean when it was supposed to take place, or when, when it actually? No, released? what year it came out? It's release year. It's release year. Oh. Like Ten or eleven? I oh. think 2010, 2011. All right, I pulled it up. 2008. Right, I pulled it up. 2008. Oh, okay, so I was off. All right, so 2008. Uh, 
we're like 13 years on already, and you know Harrison Ford was all like like moving all like brittle then. Like, ugh, what are they gonna do now? And I have to say, I have not seen, I have not seen that whole film yet. It's on my summer list. That one, The Irishman, that Scorsese did for Netflix. Ooh. Uh, reuniting yeah. uh, De Niro and Pesci and that whole gang, and, but I did that's have a long to, movie. you know, in my yeah I know, and that's why I just haven't had the time. But over the summer I will. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, mm-hmm. every, you know, very frequently I get lost in the in the YouTube suckle, and uh, I happened upon uh, a brief scene in that film, uh, one of these scenes where like De Niro was de-aged, and he like approached some guy at his deli and mm-hmm. like beat the guy up in the street. And, like, De Niro looked young, but his body was moving like a stiff old man. It was like, oh, such yeah. a striking thing <laughs> yeah. to see. Uh, oh, I'm really? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yep. I guess. Yep. It, was, it was absurd. I was, like, looking at it like, oh, my God, this looks so fucking weird. Uh, I just, just don't know uh, to what level. I know in the Crystal Skull they tried to introduce a, a son character, um, you know, to, to, to have a younger character yeah. involved in some of the action. I just, I just don't know, uh, you know... Of course, the you know the plot will be designed to ensure. Uh, what's that? <laughs> yes, we, we loved, loved him. We loved him very much, but from what I understand, he will not be in this film. And I just I don't have yeah, very yeah. high hopes. Oh, I want to have high hopes, but I'm just not excited. I don't no, Sheila LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's just it's it's yeah Harrison Ford in that Indiana Jones get up just looking so befuddled and confused. Like ah, oh, that's Indiana Jones. In the kingdom of the lost my medication. <laughs> Belongs in a museum. <laughs> Where's the damn yeah, control? control? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, turn down that music. That. <laughs> you know how to fly a plane, don't you? No. Do you? <laughs> uh, but anyway, the plot for that is, is the plot for that completely under wraps. Uh, maybe there's not that there's going to be Nazis. Maybe something to do with with, with the space travel race. Um, but but we'll see. Mega people. We'll see what happens. Indiana Jones. <laughs> <or somebody. laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indiana Jones is the fucking right wing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the story writes itself. He just crashes a plane into the Capitol. Because you know his track record with flying planes is not very good. We going for a ride, lady. He just needs a boat. It's a boat. We're not. Yeah, because the, some of them are not. We're crashing. We're crashing. <laughs> I mean, some of those MAGA people are Nazis, so he can get very confused in his old age. Like, oh my God, the Nazis have invaded us. No, no, India, no. They're just they're just cosplayers. They, no, they're not actual Nazis. Oh, we gotta kill them. You saw what they did with the Ark. <laughs> But that was like 80 years ago. <laughs> We're not Nazis. Like, how are you going to lie? on Newsmax. The Jones watching Newsmax and Fox News. Oh, my God, the Nazis are back. I thought I ended them back in the 40s. What's this about the Russian collusion? They have Russians in their skulls. Stop yelling at the TV, yeah. Indiana. Because I've heard rumors that this movie might possibly take place in the 70s. Well, he, you know, well, character should be in the 70s at this point. 
<laughs> no, I meant the decade. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, I meant the age. <laughs> Either way. All right, moving away from Same. What do you got, Dean? What's next? So, uh, after the um, kind of out of nowhere, the kind of uh, nowhere. There, was, there was so much talk about the Spiral film, and it, like, right after hitting the theaters, uh, hit a video on demand already. Uh, it's going to it not be hitting premium cable until October when it will be airing on the Stars series of networks, but uh, Spiral hit VOD already. Uh, I believe, King, you watched it, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, I saw it in the theaters, and the Ghoul watched it recently, too. Uh, all right, that's right. You saw the theater, and Gould, you watched it on demand. Is that correct? Yes, yes. I had a date night with the Gould girl. Had a date night with the, the girl. Spent the, the, spent the 20 bucks for the, uh, the, the 20 rental. Bucks. Somebody's got a bad echo coming through, man. Yeah, there's a lot of echo um, happening, man. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm right, hearing it all from both of you as well. All right, if it's me, I will check. Uh, give me a minute to talk amongst yourselves. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Next on Coffee Talk. <laughs> so, spoiler-free thoughts on Spiral Ghoul? Well, this week on The View. Um, <laughs> yeah, listen, you know what? I was, uh, I'll be perfectly honest. This was not a re... They didn't remake the wheel here, okay? It's still a star movie. Um, it just had a little bit more narrative than some of the later sequels got to. Um, and that's, that's something about us as close to spoiler-free as I can get. Thank oh, you. are you giving a review? Right. But yeah, spoiler-free yeah, he, free review with that. Spoiler-free thought to go. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. No. Best way you can do it. Um, just check. Like, I don't know. I didn't hear what the ghoul had said because I was trying to change my headset. But yeah. It's worth checking out, especially for October. Might be good for a Stars, uh, stars uh, release, but you got to go in there with tempered expectations because it's not like the other ones. So, I mean, I don't have high yeah. expectations. Don't I'm not like, I'm not no. like oh, man. <laughs> I, mean, I, can't, I can't wait to see the spiral. I mean, it's got uh, I mean, Mr. Collins in it in Riverdale, so you know, I'm looking forward, of course, to checking it out, but it's not something I'm not like clamoring for the opportunity to watch it. I'm certainly not spending no twenty dollar rental fee on it. Um, <laughs> well, aren't you fucking frugal? <laughs> uh, but no, there are other things that I would spend it on, but that's not one of them. <laughs> Tell you what, I am waiting for the new Indiana Jones money on. Was that fucking Mayweather fucking Logan Paul fight, man? And not okay, because, of the, not because of the actual in, not because of the in-ring action or lack thereof, but just because the fucking thing actually didn't work. And uh, yeah, I, I got to be part of the the people who had no ability to actually watch that event. Oh, dude, really? Event. Yeah, not fun. I mean, you paid for it. Sh- 50 bucks and Showtime's app just it crashed. It started crashing literally the second the fucking thing started and <laughs> never came back up at all. Man. So ultimately, I ended wow. up yeah. getting bits and pieces of the fight live uh, watching via my phone. 
because that was the only way to actually get any of it, you know, and that still crashed as well constantly. So they saw <laughs> Supposedly they're looking at refunds, but I haven't heard anything back on the complaint yet. They did say, Possibly. you know, that's, when that's we were when we were talking about the refund possibility the other day, Google, they did say uh, to be patient that uh, be, be, given the volume uh, of of um, customer service uh, calls and emails they're taking, that it might take a little time. Uh, but they did say to be patient. I will be patient. So they have one person, one for one person handling all of these calls. <laughs> Yeah, same person one who's person the one that built the server, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no, moving no, on. You, you, you crash the server, you take, you handle all the fucking complaints. You little shit. <laughs> yeah. oh, you don't got it. All right, the moving on. Call the poor thing a little shit. Uh, a, a very popular series uh, going back to... Uh, 80s, not on the screen, but uh, sealed in a wax pack. Uh, the infamous Garbage Pail Kids, who uh, parents hated and kids loved, is yeah, they come <laughs> sealed uh, wax packs uh, of of cards and oh, wax pack. Wax the, pack. Yeah, I thought you said wax pack. Uh, no, wax, <laughs> wax, wax, wax school, wax school uh, is going to be an animated series coming to HBO Max from the creative minds of none other than Danny McBride and David Gordon Green. Uh, so after they finish uh, with their horror reimaginings, uh, next up on the docket is the Garbage Pail Kids series, uh, the delightfully fun Garbage Pail Kids uh, coming to HBO Max. I love mm, can't do better than that classic movie. Yeah, I was going to say, man, well, why do we need the series? We still have the movie we can go back and watch. I think it just uh, got re-released on DVD not too long ago, actually. <laughs> um, Blu-ray, of all things, yeah. That classic well, 87 line-action garbage movie that everybody perhaps, remembers perhaps so fondly. there is more story to tell. I don't think everybody remembers it that finely, but... I'm going to tell you, as a person that was a fan of Garbage Pail Kids, and I'm talking like from the original inception, like I love those things. Yeah. I love them so much that my, my Aunt Jackie, okay, bless her, actually went and bought me a whole box of the damn things. I ended up having the entire first, I had the whole first series fully collected, man. Um, I was a fucking, like, it's one of those things I look back now and I'm like, damn, man, I wish I wasn't such a schmuck as a kid. Uh, I would have kept him in, uh, in a better location. But Yeah, some of those early ones saw... are worth some serious dough, dude. Yeah. Again, I have, you know, those are lost to the fucking sands of time, man. You know, they, I, I was the kid who collected them all and then, like, stuck them on his wall somewhere or stuck them on his bed headboard, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't keep them in, like, a nice yeah, neat battle shit like that. <laughs> I never bothered watching the movie. Like, I never bothered seeing Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. It just seemed like a waste. You didn't miss much. I didn't think I did. Nope. I saw an intro back in the day, and I just wanted to know what was happening. (laughs) It was horrific. Yeah. Not even in a good way. 
Yeah, it had special effects that are pretty much on par with the Masters of the Universe movie. <laughs> Did it have a yeah. guitar? No. <laughs> it, it, it had a lot of other things, but it did not have guitar. I just had, yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of things. <laughs> so, Thank you. Anyway, so, I mean, we'll see. No, it's just, it's remembering that movie is just like having a bad flashback to a bad drunken night. You don't want to remember. Like, I can't believe I made it through that movie. Why is it on Blu-ray? Like, people don't like that movie that much. But no, apparently they do. They don't put it on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but uh, I also think we're in a weird-ass moment where a lot of weird shit is coming out on DVD just because, the, you know, the places like Walmart and Target and all that kind of stuff have nothing to put out there because no, no new material is coming out, so people are scrambling, trying to just dig shit out of their vault and just put stuff out was, on DVD. It's not just that, too, man. Our generation, the generation that grew up with Garbage Pail Kids and shit like that, we're getting old, man. So, you know, we're hitting that point now where we want to revisit these things because they're reminding us of our youth. Whether we liked the fucking movie or not back then. Back then, we were all like, hey, Garbage Pail Kids movie sucked. What a piece of shit. Now we're like, oh, you know what? It was a forgotten gem. We just didn't understand it back then. You know, that, that's the kind of shit that we do these days. <laughs> Maybe us, uh, do you really think like in the? Do you really think in like the in like the popular in the in the in the greater popular culture in the mainstream people our age are like oh I think we should really go back and revisit the Garbage Pail Kids movie from 1987 or whatever fucking year it came out. No, I, really I don't think, think that, anybody. That, I, know I don't think anybody that's like that ever got into Garbage Pail Kids. I do think that there'll be a large portion of people our age that if they see that movie in the store or they see it on whatever digital medium that they're checking, they're going to be like, oh, I remember Garbage Pail Kids when I was a kid. Maybe I should check this out. Hey, kids, you want to see something that I used to really love? They're going to hate you. It's going, going to find, Your kids going are going to find a new audience, man. <laughs> no, but the, but well, the kick I mean, is right. It, it is available on Blu-ray at, at your local Walmart. I see you not. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. You can buy a copy, but right now you can get a digital copy, I'm sure, for like a dollar. I mean, you know, you can, there's ways to get it, but, you know. Probably it's just on YouTube for free. Not to sound like the monkey. You probably could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's how I watch Space Because I think that, you know, there you go. Space Jam's always good to watch on YouTube. But, no, because uh, even uh, I brought it up in the Dean Brothers, too. They're releasing new books uh, by Arl Stein based upon the Garbage Show Kids. Like, Welcome to Stinkville or something like that. So there is kind of like a weird comeback of Garbage Pail Kids that nobody asked for, nobody needed. But they are they are coming back. And, and you know what? David Gordon Green and I think Danny McBride are perfect for it. Because I think that's that level of humor that they get. Yeah, like, when they still think saying the word duty is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You just said duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that level where it's like it's still kind of funny, you know, or like you know, one of the kids goes rocking tits, and everybody starts laughing. But that's that's their level, and I'm okay with that. But they brought us a Halloween, you know, so I kind of have a problem. It's not like you know, I don't know, mainstream humor ain't all that much fucking higher intelligence, considering that you know uh, how long have they been going on with the D's nuts thing? Oh God! That, that <laughs> needs to die. The second thing else. Got him. Okay. Oh God! That one too. Uh, 
man, I got I I got my kids at my kids at my work that still fucking do that goddamn shit. I'm like, dude, that was like fucking five years ago. Let it fucking drop. <laughs> I don't even know what goddamn no, is. What the fuck are you talking about? Is. No, it's the whole thing where the guy says these nuts and he goes, got him. <laughs> so that's the whole thing. It's, uh, it's these nuts and he says, got him. So it's together with I the never bothers, nuts thing, but people always say. I never bothered listening to anything he said after these nuts because that was the only funny part. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because he's I watched nuts. Vine videos for a while. <laughs> Every Vine video nuts has that for president. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for him. No, for real. Like, somebody who called himself these nuts was legitimately trying to get on the bill and, like, got himself into some, like, news reports where, like, the anchors are like, and up at the polling, uh, you know, with 65% of the polls, we have, you know, John McCain and the other percent we have Barack Obama. And, and with, with, a, with, a, with a small, like, 3%, we also have these nuts. Um, they had to, like, report it. It was fucking news. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Amazing. That's why you got to get in those writing it would fucking, it was, He was very popular amongst the middle, the middle school crowd, man. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so that, <laughs> that Garbage Pail Kids is going to HBO Max. And uh, Lee Cronin, who is directing uh, Evil Dead Rise... Uh, you know, which is in production now. Uh, the director has shared a couple of images from the set, but it has also have been announced that Evil Dead Rise is also going to be released exclusively onto HBO Max. Um, so uh, it's coming in 2022, uh, but it's going to be uh, released on, in, on HBO Max and not in the theaters. At this time, that's how it's uh, being presented thus far, so... Fine with me. Do battle with uh with the big screen to get these properties. Yeah, that's a movie I'm okay with seeing at home. I don't need to go see Evil Dead Rise at the theater. That's a that's definitely an at home experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we went into the Yeah, we we actually went into the debate in length uh last week about the whole home release versus theater for Evil Dead Rise. It's all good. Just catching up. That'd be a fun right. flick between a drive-in. Mm, yeah, I would definitely say a drive-in. That, nice. that would that would be fun. Because then if the movie sucks, you can just get to the bucket. Am I right, Free Willy? Mm-hmm. Hold me. So there we Back have it. the Jordan. Da 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 da. Sorry, man. Six times. Only matched by Endgame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a lot of action going free, Willie. More than most. So, hats off to you, sir. Gotta help, Glenn. <laughs> Glenn, please, Glenn. Please, Glenn. Wow. See, I All right. six times. I don't, I don't even remember the characters' names. <laughs> That's the only problem with Endgame, man. As much as I enjoyed it, seeing it six times, I never got any pussy while doing it. Can't say the same for Free Willy. <laughs> yeah, you were too intrigued by the story. You were just way too involved in Endgame to be thinking about getting ass. I get it. Even though you saw it, you know, six times, seven times. No, you should you should pay right, so, number seven to one and hook up with the Ghoul Gal while watching it. <laughs> you couldn't. She was yeah, transfixed. 
Remember, everybody, every time I went, it was like bringing somebody else with me who was seeing it for the first time, yeah, except for the one time I saw it on my own. No spoilers. <laughs> Tony Liu. <Lewis. laughs> <laughs> you sure does, Bull. You sure Tony does. Baloney? Nothing bad happens there. Nothing bad happens there. Tony Baloney. Tony Baloney. <laughs> He just said, I am Iron Man, and they all go up for ice cream afterwards. Thanos is fine. Everybody's just like, you know what? We should have just had ice cream. The ice cream dream. All I'm going to say is the new Disney Plus series Loki dropped today. It will be out every Wednesday. Uh, I highly advise people to watch it. It was fucking awesome. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I'm definitely adding that to my watch list. Spoiler free review. Yeah, I'm trying to catch up on all of them. And there you have it. All right. So, Dean, what's next? What do you got? All right. So, uh, leading up to its release, we spent so much time talking about all of the anticipated new features, uh, the transfers, uh, the finding of the footage, the lost uh, gore footage from the second film from the Scream Factory massive Friday the 13th deluxe edition collector's Blu-ray box set featuring every film uh, in the Friday the 13th universe, the one that is considered to be the definitive collection, uh, the the pole, if you will. Uh, making no sense to me, uh, Paramount has announced that uh, in August, they are going to August 10th to be specific, uh, they're releasing an eight- movie Friday the 13th Blu-ray box set that only features the original film through Jason Takes Manhattan. Manhattan. Uh, you know, yes. Because the other ones are all There will be no... Okay, well, fine. I'm just reporting on the story, (laughs) and I just, I don't, you know... Well, you said you I haven't looked why. at what kind of features uh, <laughs> like will be in the set, but just with this massive <clears throat> set that has everything, uh, does it like do people do people does Paramount think that uh, people are like are there completists out there that are going to be like oh I have to have this set also I mean yeah. unless yeah. I feel like yep. unless new material uh, comes into the Friday the Thirteenth world in the future, which ultimately, uh, you know, it will at some point. Uh, so new movies to be added to a box set. I mean, what's going to be better than this fucking Scream set? It's fucking amazing, you know? I just, I just thought it was like a weird thing for them to do so so, so close, uh, you know, to the previous box that was released just a few months ago. So I just thought is it was this, weird. I, uh, I mean, is this box set actually going to have a 3D part three? <laughs> I do not know that scene, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, what are those collectors out there? I mean, look, I have five different copies of Night of the Living Dead. Five different copies. Mainly because the extras are different. So I have five different copies of the same fucking movie, but because they keep adding extras on there. And they're like, well, there's a new special. I have three different copies of Dawn of the Dead that I have because there was a different commentary on one. I have two copies of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I have two copies of, of Texas Chainsaw 2. I have three copies of Halloween 6. So, yeah, because every time something comes out that's different with it, I have to have it. I have six copies of Halloween, the first one, because they kept coming out with new extras for that. I don't need them. I don't want them, but I have them. 
because they keep luring you back in with that one little extra detail. Like, oh, this is going to have the extra 30 seconds of footage you didn't see in the last one. Holy shit. Got to add that to the list. Putting that on my shelf. We're horror fans, the hardcore ones, the sad ones, the nerdy ones like me. We're suckers. We're horrors for that. If you tell me they're going to add 15 seconds at the end of that movie, I am fucking buying that copy. <laughs> I uh, I do see where you're coming from as far as the proximity of release to the 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 Scream Factory one. Um, I do find that to be uh, a little foolhardy on their part. You know, may, maybe they should have waited a year or two. Um, the only thing I'm wondering is maybe this was something like I don't know if you remember when that first released and there were talks of uh, of shortages on it. Maybe this is one of those things that got pushed into effect under the idea that, well, hey, there's not going to be enough of those. We should get a box set out and maybe we can capitalize on that lack. And then all of a sudden Screen Factory was like, hey, we've got a whole shit ton more to give you. <laughs> Possibly, man. Possibly. That's exactly you know. it. That's exactly what it is. And we're whores. We will, we will fucking whip our dicks out and send that money. Because we want to see that extra 15 seconds. We need it in our lives. Because we don't have any. Uh, I don't. Like, Maybe there was more. Yeah, exactly, yeah, but you I don't have, think I do anymore. Well, you all have like lives and wives and girlfriends. They have the uh, uncut version of one is in this box yeah. set. And that wasn't in, this, in the Scream Factory one. And it's red as hell because it includes the opening sequence, which has an extra minute and 30 seconds of gore that was cut out of the original cut. It needs to be seen. Tom Savini cut the girl's head off in the beginning of that one. And they don't show it. They only show you the still, but you actually get to see it in that one cut that they released. It's worth it. See, this is, that's the thing. I don't have a girlfriend. I'm not married. I don't have a life. So this is my life looking for cuts of movies that I shouldn't really care about, but I do. Because it just matters. He does. He cares. He cares a lot. Like a so I can, you know, look at my collection and just go, yeah, I have not only the Night of the Living Dead box set on DVD, but I also have the Blu-ray because the Blu-ray has the TV show episodes that never got released on DVD. The Freddy's Nightmare. We have to find, so that's why I have two different sets. We have to find a, a woman for the king that has the same collection so they can There's merge. There's there. Their, no, their collections yeah, and their lives. No. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's funny, man. You got to check out. You got to check out the Talking Terror IG, man. It's no, funny, I, man. I know. I check it out all the time because I, I like to check out the posts and I like to see how it's doing. But yeah, no, I, I know that they're out there, but they're not as pathetic as I am. <laughs> they don't want to hang out with me. <laughs> no, they're not as sad as me. Like they walk into my apartment and be like, oh man, ah, too much. Like, why does it look like a horror movie? Fuck TGI Fridays. Like, why is there so much shit all over your walls? Horror why movie, fuck TGI so Fridays. Yeah, it's just like a horror movie. Oh, my film. God, that's, that's perfect. That's a perfect way. Yeah. There's just so many goddamn figures. I mean, I have a wall dedicated to fucking Ghostbusters. That doesn't get people laid. That gets you put away. The right person. <laughs> Listen, you're kind of like we'll see, you're hey. like a real life version of Andy, the forty year old version. So you already got the name. You're like good to go, man. True. Yeah, but I I fucked early on in my life, so I got that out of the way. 
And I take my extra fingers out of the box because I need to breathe to keep poster. my fucking thing off of me. <laughs> Why do I have a sex change of master culture? Because I fucking like it, all right? He's got plenty I'm of mental. I'm dedicated to the fresh maker. I do. Yeah, I mean, it's either going to be like, hey, this apartment's really cool, or hey, this guy's got a problem. I mean, it's just the best of all. The monkey, he comes over my apartment, he goes, this is so nice. I was like, yeah, but you don't have a vagina. Like, this is, it's, it's okay that you want my apartment, but you're not, you're not a woman. Like, you're not attracted to me. I'm feeling kind of awkward right now. <laughs> well, because you always tell me that how you left my apartment, but I'm like, yeah, you're not a woman. It's mostly because like, she has a track. Go watch it. I didn't want to tell you. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, my my tiny little monkey hands can I handle that giant <laughs> cock of the kings? Nope. So there must be some kind of horror chick walking the streets of Lancaster for you, King. Oh, I don't think so. But hey, it's nice to dream. Maybe I'll send it's you nice another chance to, to cheer you up. <laughs> Could you? I mean, that would be really nice. Because I need another one for the fucking wall. My kitchen. Make love to the chia pet. Yes, they get very soft and furry. Yeah, yeah. He has They're dedicated walls. He has he has dedicated walls in his apartment, but then on his kitchen table, he has a wall of chia pet boxes from people sending <laughs> him random chia pets. <laughs> I have a Beyonce that, chia pet. Nobody should have a Beyonce chia pet, but I do. I got one. I'm gonna tell you the Jay Z, so you can have the complete collection. Ooh, that'd be nice. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having fun. Dude, it's the hair grow. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually make sense. So I wouldn't mind having that, but no. So, yeah, that's a little detour into the, the garbage bin of my life. So, glad to talk about it. So, hey, what's next? I'll go off in a corner and cry. So. In my neck of <laughs> Surrounded by six, uh, surrounded by twenty copies of Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> Why did I have so many? I should get more gifts. Some of them aren't even open. So, wait, 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 wait. So, you, so you, you immediately rip open toys when you get them, but then you have DVDs you haven't even wrapped. I mean, uh, opened. What about the whole let them breathe? Yes. Bullshit. Dude, because I, I have got, four I copies have of it early. I got DVDs I've owned for like fucking, I don't know, 10, 10 to 12 years, man, that I still never broke the fucking wrapper on. <laughs> Holy shit. Because yeah. no. I just I haven't. I, I just completely forgot I had it. Like, I went in my closet one day. I was like, when do I have four different copies of Night of the Dead? Why are two of them wrapped still? Yeah, well. We'll put, <laughs> put it this way. Well, Night of the Living Please, Dead being in the public domain, like, there's a company that was selling DVDs in the stores that didn't even have, like, a plastic case. They just came in, like, a flat cardboard sleeve, and they were selling them for a fucking <laughs> dollar. You know, and I, I had that copy of they, – they had that and, like, a couple of other old films. Uh, I got Night of the Living Dead. I got, like, a, you know, classic, uh, you know, comedy film called His Girl Friday. That's like a classic film and like a couple of others. I can't remember the titles back in those days that were a fucking dollar a piece. Like there's a, there's no anybody can make a DVD of night of the living dead and sell it for whatever. So yes, I would have expected the king to see, Oh, I don't have this one and I don't have this one and, and collect all of those. He's the king of horror. He, he should have more night of the living dead DVDs than anybody out there. Like fucking Pokemon. Typically me. <laughs> so Dean, do you remember when, 
like roundabout when you got me the house and house two DVD set? Uh, yeah, man. It was either like like your birthday or Christmas, probably around like the you know probably between like I don't know ninety eight and like two thousand one or two, probably sometime in that era. So I did not open that DVD set until we covered that movie for this show. <laughs> right. <laughs> Blowing the dust off it. No, yeah, oh, no, I kept it. I kept it clean. It's been fucking pristine, but <laughs> you know, it's just it's just one of those that I just uh, I don't know. Like I have movies on that shelf that just never get opened. I buy. That's why I try not to do the physical medium thing. Because I'll get them, and then I never fucking use them. All those fucking, all those ones when I went on that tear recently and bought all those fucking horrific movies and everything, I still haven't watched the majority of them. <laughs> you don't get it. All right. You guys dedicate a weekend. All right. So yeah, I mean, see, look, uh, back Martin, in the day when I had all of my DVDs, okay. um, you know, and I had I had tons, you know, um, there were plenty that I that I had that I, that I, that I always took the plastic off, but there were plenty that I had that I never fucking watched. Um, and that's part of what was like, why do like, Ooh, I'm not going to, you know, take all of this shit with me when I move and sold a bunch. And then in California, got rid of a bunch more. And I, and I have, I have a tub that still has a few, but special ones, but I just didn't feel the need to like own them, especially in this day and age. Uh, when I could just punch a button and, uh, and be watching anything in, in, like within a second uh, on my TV, and I get—don't get me wrong—I get the fact, uh, you know, the, the the having the media in your hands uh, for mm-hmm. as a collection. I, I get it a hundred percent. I mean, I still collect. Like I said, I have I have a fucking very extensive um, vinyl record collection that I will that, that I will have till I will die. I will never get rid of it. Uh, playing records is like my favorite yeah. thing. Uh, so I get that point of it, but I didn't also need to have uh, DVDs and VHS and CDs and cassettes. Like, like it all had, it all had to go. Plenty of books too. I need to start paring down the fucking books in this house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Says the, yeah, says, says the dean of his school. <laughs> we have too many books in our house. <laughs> we do. It's true. Well, yeah, it's a problem. I have the same problem. I got way too many books. I keep fucking buying them. Yes. All you need is a bookshelf, okay? Because you I, have, I, have, I, have, I, have, I have fucking five bookshelves yeah. in my living room alone. Yeah, man, monkey and the fucking bookshelf thing. Like, he always makes it sound so yeah, good. I'm going to fucking is, do it. This is, this is just two, but coming in into the chat, like, uh, that's just two of the giant bookshelves that are crammed. Um, you know, full of books. That's just two of them. Uh, there's books everywhere. But anyway, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, I, I what okay. I do well, yeah. these days, I only buy books. I only buy books super, um, you know, super fucking cheap and used. Um, I don't really, I don't know the last time I bought like a brand uh, new book. But uh, I, I like thrift books. Uh, no, not a, not a, you know, this is not a paid ad. Um, but thrift books is great, and you get. Uh, you know, you can get pretty much every any book used for like three ninety nine in decent shape. And what's great with thrift books is uh, every time uh, you purchase a book, uh, you get points. And, and after you buy a bunch wing. of books, you get enough points for a free book. <laughs> and when you spend ten dollars, it it turns into free shipping, only ten dollars. So uh, that's a great resource. Oh. Um, and I buy I, lots of books that way. So 
I just I like want to say your books. microphone is huge. You're, you're compared to your bookshelf, you have like the biggest microphone I've ever seen. It's like almost like a dinosaur being two bookshelves tall. No, nah, that's, just, that's just like a Jeff Perception, man. That's that's just Jeff, it's just Jeff not, it, It's not as it looks, man. It's a Jeff Perception thing. It really isn't. It's like a weird thing on the TikTok. <laughs> Such a big microphone, dude. Oh, wow. Oh, there's a picture of a picture of uh, there's a picture of the ghoul uh, in that picture, if you look, if you can find it. Uh, <laughs> really? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, where's the picture of Shot Five, then? Remember the year when Dono, like, wore, wore, wore like, his tie-dye, his created tie-dye outfit all, 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 all weekend? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, like, that Larry, one, like, Larry's Basically. in the picture. Um, Aw. Yeah. I miss Larry. Big, big shots from... From the vibes, um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, we all, or if we don't all know, we now know that uh, Quiet Place Two is doing brisk business uh, in the theaters. And I had talked about before the release of Quiet Place Two that uh, they were already talking about Quiet Place Three um, as a t- possible idea, but nothing set in stone. But now it is set in stone with a March. 31st, 2023 release date. Uh, Quiet Place 3 this time will be directed by Jeff Nichols, working for an idea from uh, Quiet Place 1 and 2 writer uh, and director John Krasinski. Uh, What they did say while they're keeping the greater plot under wraps is that this Quiet Place 3 might not actually be a direct sequel, uh, but they might broaden the world that uh, the original uh, Quiet Place uh, films inhabited, so uh, they might be broadening the scope or going to a different area uh, or something. But that's a potential idea that that's been floated around there. So I haven't, I had, a, I haven't had a chance to see a Quiet Place too. Um, I did, I did hear positive uh, feedback about it, um, but I'm sure I will see it in due time. I did see the first one in the theater. Uh, I am not going to see the second one in the theater. I think that. My, I'm. I think I'm going to be holding off returning to the theater until uh, Halloween Kills. Um, but uh, so there's some news on Quiet Place Three. All right. Very well. All right. Well, thanks. All right. Uh, this summer in August, uh, you will get to see or get to read uh, a new comic book series. Uh, that is going to be called Elvira Meets Vincent Price. And in this comic, uh, the ghost of Vincent Price uh, needs Elvira's help on a very important mission uh, to find a long-lost movie that can save the world. I do do not know how many episodes are going to be in the series, uh, but you will be able to check out episode one in August. Issue. Cool. What's that? Yep, that's fun. So that's it. You know, I know some yeah, of you a... are fans of comics, so there you have it. Oh, did I say episode? <laughs> I wrote I wrote yep. episode instead of <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. Sure did. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. Um, the Netflix uh, was uh, doing some promo at something called Geeked Week, uh, and they have announced that there's going to be a handful of brand new characters. Uh, coming into Stranger Things Season 4. One of those uh, characters is going to be 
uh, a girl named Vicky, who they're saying is going to be a cool, fast-talking nerd. Uh, there's also going to be a character named Patrick, uh, who is a basketball star uh, who gets involved when his life starts to spiral out of control. Um, there's going to be a character named Mrs. Kelly, who is a guidance counselor who cares very deeply about her students. And there's also going uh, to be a character named Chrissy, uh, who is the head cheerleader and the most popular girl at school, but she also hides with her a dark secret. So uh, four new characters that will be joining the cast uh, for the fourth season of Stranger Things, of which we still uh, do not have a release date, but, you know, we'll continue to monitor the situation and hopefully get shared sometime in the near future on this very program. We'll see. They're awesome. If you are a fan of the work of Guillermo del Toro, uh, there is going to be a new bilingual children's book uh, that is simply titled Kid del Toro uh, that is inspired by Guillermo del Toro's love for monsters and his lifelong friendship with them. Uh, This book is written by somebody (laughs) simply known as Shogrin. Uh, It's an independent project with no endorsement or involvement from Guillermo del Toro, uh, but it will be available August 24th. Uh, The hardcover version will be available for $17.99. So if that sounds like your thing, bilingual uh, book inspired by the works of Guillermo del Toro, uh, check out Kid del Toro in August. And what else do we have here? Uh, as we move through our program, uh, Elijah Wood uh, apparently is a huge fan of horror movies, and he was speaking to comicbook.com, and he said that he would like to uh, do a remake not only of Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, but also uh, he would like to tackle uh, Children of the Corn, which has its own remake already happening right now. So uh, he wants to get involved with some of that stuff. Elijah Wood, who has uh, dabbled in the genre here and there, uh, we did, I believe, cover on this. It might have been the original incarnation of our show when we covered Elijah Wood's uh, turn in Maniac. Was that the old show or was that this version? Old show. show. Yep. Yeah, we did the the two movies together. Right. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Elijah Wood would like to do another take on Nightmare on Elm Street and another take on Children of Corn, uh, continuing his involvement right. in the genre. And then, finally, the last thing I want to talk about, and uh, this is something, I don't know, Monkey and Ghoul, if you saw it, but the King and I had a little bit of a back and forth about this the other day, uh, written, being written and going to be directed by Brian Fuller, who I learned who is the showrunner from Hannibal, uh, for Blumhouse, uh, is working on a remake of Stephen King's work, Christine. Um, you know, no timetable set for release at this point, but it's going to be written and directed by Brian Fuller. And he said that uh, he is going to be setting his take in the 1980s, but his story is going to be grounded in the novel. And, uh, you know, what I said to the king and what I have said now that this is like happening, uh, what I have said to the king the other day and what I have said on the show many times when the, the controversial topic of remakes comes up is that I myself am not traditionally a fan of horror remakes. 
Uh, and I have stated on this very program that if there was going to be, if I had to pick one horror film uh, to get a remake, and I love the John Carpenter version, uh, is that I would like to see a true remake done of Christine if, and only if, it sticks closer to the novel, uh, because it's my favorite Stephen King book, and while I love the film uh, so very much, it just... It just, uh, you know, moves so much away from what was so great about that book, in my opinion. So I'm looking forward to following the story and seeing if, like, how more news unfolds about it. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, given how much stuff has happened in the world of Stephen King with new adaptations and remakes and other older properties of his that have never been uh, taken to the screen, both big or small, uh, I was always wondering, like, why is, is nobody attempting to tackle uh, this one? And, and now it's happening. So, uh, King, obviously you and I uh, had a back and forth about this, and you're welcome to share your thoughts here on the program. And uh, Monkey and Ghoul, if you have anything to say about this as well, please, I would because I would, I, I'm interested in this one. I would love to hear what you guys have to say. No, I'm all for it. I mean, man. Yeah. I, I, the movie's fun, but... Yeah, I think, you know, when I talked to you guys about how I'd gone and read Christine not too long ago for the first time, I thought it deserved something that, a movie that was closer to the original thing, because the book does go into a lot more stuff than is even hinted at in the, the movie. What do you think, Cool? Uh... Ooh, somebody farted. Um, that was me. I, uh, <laughs> congratulations. You know, I, I, you know me. I'm never, I'm never against remakes. Uh, the the idea of moving it up to the '80s and, and, and keeping it true to the story, but updating the time, that always throws me off a little bit. I mean, we saw that with it, and that was successful. Um, I think ultimately it's going to come down to how well they balance giving us a faithful yet fun recreation of the 1980s and more specifically teen life in the 1980s versus what you want to see, Dean, which is something that's a more faithful adaptation to the story that Kay initially put to paper. Um, So if they can marry those things together, then fantastic. Um, if not, I'll just stick with the John Carpenter movie, you know, because that wasn't a terrible version either, you know, and I get it. it was nowhere near No, I love it. But... I said, I said, I love it. And uh, this is a conversation that the ghoul and I have had, but like back in the, in the early days when like home VHS was just becoming affordable, because the early days, I don't know, I mean, ghoul, you might, and monkey, you might remember, and, and King, uh, this might be dating you bucks a little a bit, but like uh, even more than that, sometimes it was like like ninety bucks, eighty nine ninety nine ninety nine for like a home VHS in like the mid like mm-hmm. mid eighties. It wasn't until like a little bit into the later eighties when when home VHS became more affordable. And you know, I had my list. I had my list of like five films uh, that I that I wanted. Or there was a handful of films that I was like, I must have these on VHS immediately. And they were they were they were the first Rocky, the first first uh, the first Rocky, first Blood. Uh, Red Dawn, uh, Jaws, Halloween, and Christine. Like I was like, I need these films on VHS immediately. I loved 
the, the John Carpenter version. Uh, but I love the book even more, and I would just love to see someone try to tackle more of the book in, into a version of their film. I agree. It was a, it was a good book. Yeah, it's a great book. Okay, that's, that's, yeah. So we'll see. You know, I mean, my thoughts pretty much resound everybody else's, so I'm not really going to drop my two cents in that thing, but we'll see what they come up with. You know, I'm always excited for so, something as long as it brings to, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That, that was rude of me. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. I didn't. No, sorry. I was just yeah. gonna say, as long as it brings people to the original material, go ahead. The book or the original John Carpenter. So, go ahead, Will. You finish your thought. Uh, no, I mean, if that's Dean's last thing, I mean, the only the only thing that I wanted to, to just bring up and and mention prior to us getting to the movie, and only because it kind of kind of connects us to the film anyway via segue. Uh, what do you guys all think about this? Before uh, your Rob segue, Zombie? then. Before your segue. Uh-huh. Before your segue, very very important just to note that uh, this this year November November 11th this year, uh, Rocky versus Drago, the ultimate director's cut, will hit the big screen. Uh, Sylvester Stallone has gone back and done a full director's cut of Rocky IV, and supposedly it's going to be a, a, a massively different experience uh, than than the film that we all know and love. So that, then now go ahead, Gould. I apologize for cutting you off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Uh, what does it say? It's the Rob Zombie thing with uh, doing the monsters. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess he got the green light on on making it official that he's going to be doing a monsters movie. Fuck Rob Zombie. Yeah. It's, a, it's a series. It's, it's not a movie though. It's right. It's a, I think it's a series for Netflix. It's a, it's a series a or a movie? It a movie? I thought it was a movie. Movie. Yep, definitely a movie. Huh. So I don't care. Uh, just don't. <laughs> I could care less. So, yeah, it's fine. Just do it. Put Sherry Moon Zombie in it. Put fucking Bill Mosley in it. Put it in, in the 70s in the trailer park. You know, and have Herman Munster just be like, fuck that shit, bitch. And then William Munster goes, no, fuck you, too. Is it really? Is it set, is it set in the trailer park? <laughs> it's it's a Rob Zombie movie. What do you expect, man? That's what he does. He makes everybody, puts it in the 70s, makes everyone white trash, puts them in a trailer park, Cheryl Moon Zombie's in as a dysfunctional bitch, and then Herman Monster's going to be, uh, like, a, an, an abusing male and, you know, beat, beats her half the fucking time because he's all, drinking all and shit. That's what Rob Zombie will fucking mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Pretty accurate. That's what he's going to do. So we'll see what he comes up with. Yeah. So, yeah. That's all I have to say about that. So. I mean, you know, you know, me and the cool girl are fans, um, or you know, for me, she's a big fan. Me, I'm, I'm a fan as as much as a light fan can get of it. Um, you know, like like I kind of said to her, you know, my my biggest thing with Rob, and I guess it just took a little while to just really get the fact that unfortunately, he, you know, he is not an innovative creator. He's not creating original material. He's just taking stuff that other people have done, and then he puts his own style to it. Um, You know, so it it really is a shame because I know the guy, you know, has a deep love for for horror. So I just find it so funny how he just is constantly, like, doing this to beloved franchises and and putting these, these, I I don't know. Uh, whatever he's gonna do, it is it is what it is. Uh, I hope it's more back to the back to the beach than it is just a, another Rob Zombie movie. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. 
see what happens when it comes out. But yeah, so my thoughts on that. But anyway, so that was uh, the last piece that Christine thing. Uh, uh, Monkey, tonight is your film pick of the week. Little Attraction from 1987, directed by Adrian Lynn. So why don't you take us off on this sexy erotic adventure? You are correct. Yeah. So this is the story of Dan Gallagher, a man with a successful New York career as a lawyer, an established New York apartment with his beautiful New York wife and his cute little New York daughter. Things are going great for Dan in New York. That is until his work... Excuse me. That is until through his work, he meets a seductive book editor, editor named Alex. Together, Dan and Alex have a sex-fueled weekend full of adventure and mayhem. But just one weekend isn't enough for Alex. Oh, no! She wants more. And she's willing to do anything she can to get it. All right. So, as we all know, this, this movie is always on all of the scariest movies of all time bliss, you know, scariest moment, all that kind of shit. You know, it's a classic film that every film fan should know. But when I thought about it, I realized I had never actually seen this movie. <laughs> and we talk a lot about the 90s crush style films. Um, so I thought we'd go back and pick one that I thought helped start all of that little subgenre of suspense and horror off. So after watching this movie, man, this movie is definitely a product of its time. And in my opinion, it does not age well. I mean, this film is just about an asshole who sleeps around on his wife, then spends the rest of the film not taking responsibility for his actions. And it's all considered somehow okay because it's 80s New York. No, asshole, step up and take responsibility for your fucking shit. This film has an alternative ending, which I saw, which I think would have been way more suiting if they had done and twisted it a little bit in my own personal way, and I think if they had gone with that ending, it would have helped the film age a little bit better, but all in all, yeah, I can say, like, now now I can say I've seen it, but truth be told, we've seen the style of film done before, and we've seen it, (laughs) and that's what I think of this movie that I picked. But before before we go on, Monkey, because of that statement, I just just must ask, you say, we've seen it done before, and we've seen it done better, um... Have we seen it done before, and have we seen it done better before? No, I'm saying we've seen it before, as in in other movies, in Uh, general. All right, moving on. (laughs) Now, did you see, do you mean you saw it before this movie, or... We're seeing movies that were made like, after this. Do you mean, that's what I mean, films that yeah. came before you're, Fatal Attraction or films that came small. after Fatal Attraction? You say we've seen it before and we've seen it done better, but when what I mean is, are we talking about films that were put out before Fatal Attraction was put out? I'm saying, as in, we've seen other films of this style done as well, and in my opinion, they did it better. But did they do it before Fatal Attraction? No, they, they did it after. They did it after. Thank you. Moving on. <laughs> see me eating mice. <laughs> cool. What do you think about Fatal Attraction? Uh, listen, man. You know this is uh, this is this is a tough one for me. 
uh, not because of the, the, the movie or the performances or, or, or anything. Um, I probably masturbated to this movie more than any other non-porn film. What? Said anything else? <laughs> the reason for oh. this, okay? This was one of those films. Michael, du- was it Michael my... Douglas in 1987? Absolutely, it was totally Michael Douglas. Now, listen, it's 1987. Let okay? it... the is, uh, well, I guess this, we had this on bootleg VHS, so so the ghoul. This is probably closer to like 1988, 1989. I'm about 11, 12 years old or so, and my dad had this on bootleg VHS. So, you know, getting into the, the, the porn cabinet wasn't necessarily easy at that age and time. But getting my hands on the biggest blockbuster of 1987 to watch Fatal Attraction, well, somehow that wasn't a problem. You know, there was no issue with that. Was but this the era, have I have to ask, as far as getting your hands on the special the, cabinet, was this story. the era? Okay, I'm sorry, I have an important question. Yeah, quiet. You, you know, we agreed on this. Let me talk. <laughs> All right, I need one Go ahead, Google, I anyway. so, See, now I'm all thrown off. What was the question? <sighs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. You were talking Good about night, getting everybody. your hands on the biggest blockbuster of 1987. So anyway, the biggest blockbuster of 1987, but it had that incredibly hot scene in the kitchen. You know, it didn't matter to me that... You know, that, that Glenn Close, not attractive in any way. Like, I look at her, and I do not find her to be an attractive female. Like, even at that age, it wasn't like, oh, she's hot. But, dude, he pulls her titty out. You know what I mean? As he's fucking boning her up against the sink. So between that sequence right there, like, I remember seriously, like, pausing it so many times. You know, pausing a VHS back in the day, you had all the wavy track and shit going on and everything. So it wasn't like a steady-looking screen yeah. like we see these days. You know, that shit was like a titty that was waving back and forth saying hi uh you know between that and the blowjob scene in the elevator man yeah dude i was like in fucking heaven all over the fucking place and i could get away with it because you know it wasn't fucking necessarily uh it wasn't a porn so yeah like i said it's it's probably the the one film that's non-porn that i i've definitely you know fapped my ass to plenty of times so so what was your question dean when you were saying about being able to get to that special cabinet, I wanted to know if this was the era where you needed to like crawl on your belly at night, like you were like a like a commando to to like sneak through the dark and like under the the snoring under the snoring sleeping sounds of Frank uh, to to get to that cabinet and then crawl your way back out of the room with your with your score and then crawl back to return it before before anyone awoke. Was it that era? The armoire. The armoire in question was always something that was in place in any of Frank's bedrooms. So, so that was always the key. You know, it was all about the belly crawl. It was all about sneaking that shit out. It was also, you know, sometimes it was about being smart enough to slide that VHS out of a case and putting another VHS movie in its place just so it looked like that movie was still there. But you had to run the risk that if for whatever reason he decided to look at one of his porns and he caught, you know, the Care Bears movie too, I was fucked. All right, all right, cool. What do you? I mean, Dean, what did you think of the movie? So, Fatal Attraction. Uh, this is one of those that um, you 
know, when it came out, I was 11, and, uh, you know, this was a, like a huge blockbuster that was, uh, you know, all the rage uh, amongst people, about, amongst adults, you know, like, uh, you know, our parents. like an adult blockbuster, uh, like, exactly, like our, like our parents, and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the, the time, uh, the kind of upper class uh, yuppie type business characters in New York City in the 80s. Um, this was a film that I recall very much being talked about uh, when, you know, my parents had friends over or, uh, you know, we went to one of my parents' friends', parents friend houses where, you know, the kids were like set free to run around and the parents would hang out. Uh, it's a film that I recall being talked about very much. Like, oh my God, did you see Fatal Attraction? Like, and uh, I never actually saw it for quite some time uh, after its release. I don't remember the first time that I saw it, and I am a uh, uh, I'm a fan of Michael Douglas, um, and I man, I wish I could remember exactly when I saw it because I remember feeling. Uh, like very much that uh, it was an effective, like certainly an effective thriller. Um, and uh, taking another look at it, uh, I feel that there are still elements of it that, uh, you know, make it an effective thriller. Now, uh, sometimes it gets hard to kind of, for me anyway, sometimes it gets hard for me to properly uh, evaluate a film like this because of the sheer volume of, of genre films that we watch. Um, but I feel that there's, you know, Michael Douglas, uh, you know, was very good in the eighties of playing uh, like the, this kind of slick, uh, you know, rising or upper class businessman. He played that role in, in, in several different films to, to great effect in that time period. And, um, you know, it lends it lends kind of credibility to to, to this kind of story. Um, but that yeah, being I mean, said, he won the Oscar for Wall um, Street same year. Yes, um, playing play, play the ultimate businessman yuppie. But he played this kind of you know not a cheating on his wife character, but the similar kind of upper climbing, upper mobile, upper class businessman. Uh, he played a similar type of character in War of the Roses. Uh, and he played a similar type character. I can't remember the name of the film, uh, but it was a film where he was like a corporate businessman and his boss. And I think the the character was played by Demi Moore. Uh, Disclosure. You know, like takes advantage takes advantage of him sexually, and like nobody will believe him because he's a guy. I can't remember the name of that film, but he played that same kind of character there. Um, Disclosure. Ah, there you go. Thank you, monkey. Disclosure. Uh, so anyway, uh, Fatal Attraction, looking at it again, uh, like, I, and I stand by what I felt about back then. Like, it's an effective thriller. Like, there's things that you look at now, all of this time later in 2021, that are, like, a little bit corny. But I feel like it's an effective thriller. Um, maybe it parts, like, a little bit, a uh, little bit of overacting here and there, maybe a little bit. But I feel like it's an effective thriller with some, with some really good, like, adult performances. And I do feel... Uh, that one of the things that's sometimes lacking in the world of film is like like the like the adult thriller, and like the late '80s into the early '90s uh, was full of films in that genre, both thriller 
heading towards the hard side of things and then just thriller to the suspense side of things. And I do wish that there were more kind of like adult suspenseful thrillers like this, because I do think there are many things that are effective in, in Fatal Attraction. So I do like Fatal Attraction. Thank you. Cool. King, what did you think of this movie, man? Uh, well, because, you know, we're short on time. So I'll just give my quick thoughts. And then I do like uh, Fatal Attraction. Um, I like everything about it. I think that Glenn Close and Michael Douglas played well off of each other. But it's just, you watch it now, and it's just completely unrealistic because Glenn Close, the entire time, looks like Marv at the end of Home Alone after he gets shocked with her fucking hairstyle. <laughs> and then she looks like Lloyd Bridges at certain points with a wig on. And I was like, what? Like, because I'm sorry. You have Ann Archer playing your wife as Kate, who's a fucking smoking pen. And oh, you're God, so yeah. upset about your life that you're going to go with Alex, who is Glenn Close, who just looks like she should be haunting a small town somewhere and riding a broom home. Like, this is, yeah. it's just, you got to go with a, something higher than Ann Archer to get me to believe that Michael Douglas is going to be like, I'm going to fuck that girl up. You know, so it's like, it, it's fine. You know, I mean, she plays a great psychopath, you know, and a great stalker. Um, I like the fact that the dog becomes complicit in everything that fucking Dan does because I'm going to take the dog to her apartment and then I'm going to take the dog <laughs> to the park and then I'm going to feed it spaghetti in the morning because, hey, hush, hush, dog. Here's some spaghetti for breakfast because I'm fucking estranged. You've got to keep the fucking mouth shut. I mean, the dog is witness to her almost fair suicide when Dan decides to go home and she's like, I'm going to kill myself, Dan. And, like, the poor dog is like, can I just go home? Like, to that weird kid that's also a son, but also a daughter at the same time. We can't, we, we call her Ellen, but we're not really sure we should call her Ed because of the way that she portrays herself. So, I mean, it's fine. I mean, we're, we're cool. I mean, you can be what you want to be, but it's just a, it's an odd choice. But, yeah, it's, just, it's a great representation of soccer and, and almost slasher towards the end of the film, especially in the third act when uh, Alex decides to, to enact her revenge on Dan. And, and Kate, yeah. it becomes a definite flasher. It, it, it becomes suspenseful and gory and weird and in all the right places. But it just it takes a lot of lead up to that. I mean, you have uh, the friend played by Stuart Pankin. Again, great 80s choice to have the, the, the fat guy be the, the friend because you couldn't get Ernie Sabella and you definitely couldn't get Wayne Knight. So let's just get Stuart Pankin in here because he's like a combination of both. So he's going to play the, you know, the comedic relief and for some reason. So, I don't know. All in all, that's just my thoughts. But, yeah, I'm sorry. But Ann Archer is so fucking hot. You're not, yeah. going for, you're not going for Alex. You're not going for Glenn Close. Like I said, she looks like somebody's grandmother that probably sucked on way too many Werther's originals before she went to that bar that <laughs> day to be like, hey, Dan. Like, no, I'm sorry. You're not. Like, you know, and ghoul, I know you fucking jacked off hardcore back when you were younger to this movie. God bless you. Because if anything, that boner is going right into the ground. Because I don't care if she whips out of titty or not. It looks like her face should be on the cover of Hocus Pocus Part 2. Well, I mean, I think, one, you're focusing way, way, way. You're, like, really missing a, a big portion of this here. You're focusing so much on the looks and this comparison of you, your personal opinion, of finding Ann Archer to be more attractive than Glenn Close. Now, I'm not saying I disagree with you there. I, I find Ann Archer to be a prettier woman than Glenn Close. But, you know, when Glenn Close came in for the actual interview for this, you know, she really put her all into it. She she let her hair shag out, um, and she kind of went like, oh, with the almost like all natural thing. Now, 
you know, that this idea that, oh, my God, you know, like he would never cheat on his wife because, you know, his wife is hotter than this girl. You know, that's not necessarily the truth. You know, sometimes guys, one, they find something more attractive. Two, they go after something that's easier to get. Um, so the attractiveness doesn't even really matter at that point. And three, it's really it's about the betrayal and, and all of that stuff. Some guys just kind of get off on it. Like, listen, as somebody that, you know, has had plenty of experience in all of those things, I've had my fucking shares of ups and downs as far as in the looks department, man. It was always about, you know, what could be done, what couldn't be done. You know, I can tell you right now, Ann Archer doesn't look like the kind that's going to take it in the fucking ass, you know, but I bet you Alex would. You know, so, so that might make it a real promising investment to kind of to go after Alex for a couple of weeks, you know? But yeah, it's just and, it's so unfair. Yeah, I'm so, go ahead, monkey. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say uh, I agree with King. We are cutting short on time, so we're gonna skip that thing that I mentioned earlier and just keep moving on. King, what were you gonna say? It's kind of unfair to Ann Archer in a way because yeah, I mean, okay, cool. You, you know, you say maybe she doesn't want to do anal, you know, and that's like her whole thing, even though she's hot. But no, what's unfair to Ann Archer in this movie is that she goes away with with Ellen to visit her mother, and that's the whole talk of the rabbit, which becomes a focal point towards the end. But it's after that first time that that uh, they have sex, Dan and Alex, they cut to Anne, and she's very fucking dowdy looking. She's wearing a, a sweater, and she's wearing an oversized sweater on top of that. Looks like she has no makeup on. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, we're supposed to be like, oh, man, like Alex is so hot right now, and that's sexy as hell. I was like, no, in the beginning the scene was Ann Archer when she's putting on her clothes and she's got those little panties on and she's got her hair yeah. teased out. I was like, I'm sorry. If you're looking for strange, I get it, you know, and, and, but I, I don't know. I don't know I, if I want to go for Lloyd Bridges in a wig. I, Ken, I don't but, think that at any point in this film that the directors or the producers, I don't think they're trying to portray Anne, you know, Beth. As, as looking unattractive. Um, I think they go actually out of their way to do the opposite. I think everything about it is yeah, to kind of portray her as the better option. She is the better person. She is, you know, she gets, she gets the nod for Best Supporting Actress for this movie. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so, so what she does do in it, she does it well. Uh, I, do I feel like she has kind of, uh, considering it's a two-hour film, do I feel like she could have had a more... You know, more involvement in the overall plot of the movie? Yes. You know, I think she, she portrays the wife, and then that's about it. Everything else is the Michael Douglas, Glenn Close show. Um, I, I could have used a little bit more of Beth, and based on her reaction, I could have used a little bit more like, you know, we have Fred Gwynn in this movie for all of one scene. You know, like, he's in the credits. You know, everybody knows who Fred yeah. Gwynn is. But the guy's literally in there, Arthur. You see him for one scene. And that's it, and he's gone. You know, now I know he's the boss or whatever it is, but like, I, I, for some reason, when I saw him in the credits, I assumed we'd see more of him. I assumed we'd see more of Alex. You know, doing mm-hmm. things that could possibly mess with you know Michael Douglas's career. Um, you know, yeah. messing around with his wife, stuff like that. You know, we do see little bits and pieces yeah. of it, but we never see that get fully fleshed out the way like we might see something like that in a movie today. Um, but again, that's just this is just how that film was paced, and it, like I said, it was very successful. So people loved it. I don't. I liked it back then too. This is one of those weird movies that even as a kid, besides the fact that I was you know enjoying myself to it, it's one of those movies that I watched even at a young age and still kind of found myself interested in what was going on in it. 
Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, you know, but the, but then that's yeah. one of the other things though, that leads all to, to all of this is there's nothing that leads up to it. Like, you know, we have Dan and, you know, for first second that his wife takes out of town, boom, he's trying to hook up, you know, in the fucking bar. It's like, you know, that fucking fast. There's nothing that leads up to it except just a quick, hey, how you doing at the bar? You know, when they oh, were at the business meeting. That's, that's it. It's like the, that's my problem is for all the two hours that we have, we have nothing leading up to it. You know, like you said, we could have had more seats lead up, though. It's fast. It's New York. It's business. You know what I mean? We get that little bit of a snip of him wanting to get sex with the wife. He walks into the room all hot and horny, and the kid is in the bed. You get those little pictures of, like, this is the daily routine. He's been married now for nine years. You know, we don't know how long their overall relationship has been. It's it's one of those where you are to understand that this is like a one-off thing. This isn't a guy doing this on the regular. You know, this particular girl was giving him attention that he wasn't getting and you know I think maybe maybe the reason why a lot of guys and don't like overtook him, man. so much is because it kind of shows that we're pretty fucking fickle. We're pretty simple. You know, you give a guy a little bit of attention, you rub his arm the right way, you tell him all oh, this and that, you make him feel good, he's going to want to put his becker in you. It's just how guys work. <laughs> but, but, but it's also yeah, that then, point. Oh, go ahead King. It's to that point of, as well, you know, we're, as we're talking about their uh, their affair and how it is over that one weekend, but obviously she wants more. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, with her with her suicide attempt to get Dan to stay there. What I do really appreciate about about the Anne Archer's character is Beth is the fact that Michael Douglas eventually has to come clean about it. Like he does, he he realizes he can't hide it anymore because it followed them to Connecticut. You know, he's got to tell his wife, and yeah, granted, she's very upset with him, but when uh, Alex comes calling again, the first thing that she does is say, you fucking bother my family again and I'll kill you myself. I was like, amazing, the fact that they put that in there, where the wife is like, you know what, my husband might have fucked up and he might have fucked you, but I swear to God, I will cut a bitch. If you come and fuck with my family again, <laughs> try me. Like, you know, I'll, it's so great, because she easily just could have been like, he's yours now. I don't care, you whore. Like, take him. No, she's still very protective of her family. You know, and she's, you know, just angry at him at that time. But for her to be like, you know what, I know all about it, so you can't fuck with us anymore later. You know, good luck with your baby. Like, you know, but no, it's such a great uh, portrayal by uh, by Beth in that, that second sequence. Yeah. Well, I think you also have yeah. the ultimate fucking insult, too, though, with the fact that, remember, that was after Alex showed up to their apartment that they were now mm-hmm. to sell and actually, like, came yeah. face to face yeah. with her talking about all this shit, acting like her friend, you know? So you, you kind of have, like, a double yeah. insult going there. Like, you fucked my husband, and then you pulled that shit, too. And you got to re- realize, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, at this point now, Beth also knows that all the phone calls were all Alex every time, you know, because Alex is making calls and hanging up, making calls, hanging up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was, she was really on that phone, all about that Madam Butterfly sitting on the floor, turning that lamp on and off. On and off. Like, you know, Glenn Close, she does a great job. She does of playing a jilted lover who also has borderline personality disorder. Fantastic. Like I said, I mean, I, I focused a lot on, on the physical. But from a, an emotional standpoint, she was just so great in her range. You know, when she's following him in the subway and she's like, I just have to let you know I'm pregnant. And he's like, God damn it. Like, you know, like, I thought I was done with you. Now this, like, personally, I think that she was pregnant the entire time. You know, she was not taking 
I think that she definitely fucked him and then got pregnant and was kind of using that as leverage because, as, as the monkey said, there is a different kind of ending to it that's uh, much more tragic. But I just I like the fact that they added it in there. Like, you thought you were done with her. You patched her up. You sent her on her way, but now she's carrying your fucking love child. Good luck, Dan. Maybe you should have just hung out at that sushi bar a little bit longer and hung out with somebody else. <laughs> or one of them, They make them. You can yeah. have one. Well, then Dan goes into the whole thing of, you know, don't worry, I'll take care of it. You know, I'll, I'll pay for it. I'll take care of everything. She's no, I want to have it. And he's like, and then we get into the whole thing of, uh, you know, well, that's not your decision to make. You know, so now we're getting into a very real, you know, pro-life, pro-choice mm-hmm. thing going on here about him not taking, <clears throat> excuse me, responsibility for his actions and having to very well possibly raise a child. He's like, no, that's not my decision. My decision is for you to have that abortion. And she's like, well, that's not your decision to make. <laughs> and I'm having yeah, it. Well, so you bet. well, I think the the problem with that yeah. too, though, is, is it's not like it's just a matter of like, oh, hey, guy and girl, let's say young teenagers, early 20-somethings, you know, they, they, they knock boots, she gets pregnant, now you're having this discussion, you know, as whether or not you guys want to raise kids as single parents, you know, splitting time and all that shit. He's really looking for this abortion just because, one, it's going to mess up his life. You know, it's going to mess up well, his yeah. picture of the <laughs> yeah. fucking family yep. that, he, that he has here. So, you know, for him, that's the, the main problem. You know, my, my biggest issue as far as, like, this whole pregnancy thing and everything goes is we never really find out whether or not it's true. You never find out if she's pregnant. We never get no. that as a, a resolved which then kind of makes it all the more tragic when we get to the finale of this film, considering that, you know, that, that, that is two people that got killed right there, not just one. Yeah. You know, I really feel like it's yeah. one of those that they should have kind of made sure to let us know that she was really crazy and lying about the fucking pregnancy. I mean, yeah. they did show the, the EBC uh, thing in the, the, the pregnancy test when he went to her apartment to look around. I mean, easily, there could have been either a positive test in that trash can or a negative one or just nothing, you know? I mean, and it could have been mm-hmm. solved real fast in that way. And, she did, but, drop, and, she, you know. and she did give give her, him the card for her doctor saying, if you don't believe me, give him a call. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. calls the doctor, the doctor yeah. calls him congratulations. So, yeah, I mean, oh, that's right. Again, that, yep. could have, that could have been a you know a card of a friend. There could there could have been a scene yeah. where when he's in there, you know maybe he finds a negative you know result from the doctor, something to that effect. You know, um, I don't know. It's uh, it, it was a weird way to play it, and, and again, mm-hmm. I just think it plays into the finale of the film the way it does. So that's that's something I know I yeah. was thinking of. I mean, I used to know this chick. You know, she would take pregnancy tests all the time, and she would fucking keep them like that. That that was you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, like she would she would keep it like a collection of waiting for these things to start growing. Oh, fuck. On them. But then what made it weirder is during the during the entire final scene of what's going on, exactly what you're saying, Ghoul, about, you know, there's possibly two lives at stake. You know, I was reading that Glenn Close, Close was actually uh, two months pregnant when she was doing that scene. She didn't know it, but she, she was actually two wow. months pregnant while actually filming that scene. So she was actually, so she, so yeah, her, her character she was meta. Her, she was meta actually. Pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really weird. I didn't know that, but uh, but after you know we get to them moving to Connecticut when she fucks with Dan's car, 
and he's got to get the rental. I love the fact that we get into – He'll move you know, to Connecticut. Her, 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 New York. Oh, see, I thought they moved to Connecticut for some reason. I don't know when I had Connecticut in my head when I wrote it in my notes. I guess I just wasn't paying attention to that point. But, um, but it's just when Alex decides that she's going to leave a podcast behind for him to listen to. She's like, hey, it's the Alex show. Uh, hosted by Alex. So anyway, work my heart, yeah, this, this and I'm going to talk to you throughout the rest of this yeah, I made you a mixtape. <laughs> but he listens to it the entire way home, and it's like really sad Alex saying, I can't believe you broke my heart and really upset. So then he goes home and he puts on the big old cans and listens to it on the, you know, on the little tape recorder. Yeah, just throw it out the window. Like if I found a tape that said from Alex on it and I'm done with her, I would have thrown it out the fucking window before I drove off. But I'm not listening to this. Like it's going to be the rantings of a man person. Like I'm over this person. Like, you know, it's like it just – you're giving me the sense yeah, that he has gotta, feelings for it. But you got to find out if she's fucking posing any kind of potential danger to you. For all you know, she's on that fucking tape saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to find your parents and I'm going to fucking gut them and I'm going to rape your dog, you know, like all kinds of shit. You never know. So he knows that he's dealing with an irrational person. Uh, you know, he learned this yeah, that's what the, second, the second night with her. Yeah, and that's the thing, too is that they focus the whole thing on the rabbit, about how Ellen wants a rabbit really bad, and you've got to get her a rabbit. So he eventually does, and you get to see it, and we, we get the most, one of the most famous scenes in this movie of, of Beth coming home and the rabbit <laughs> in the floating pot of water. The problem is, is that that fucking rabbit movie, man. Uh, for, for, for that yeah. era in 1987, for yeah. that kind of uh, sequence in a mainstream film, uh, that wasn't oh, you know yeah. you know genre specific, but a huge mega blockbuster like that was a that was a huge scene like. Uh, well, the whole yeah. Idea, but the point is, is that yeah, it's just that you show the rabbit and it becomes an iconic scene, absolutely in the zeitgeist of pop culture. But you have a dog. Like why didn't she gut the shit out of the dog and hang it from a tree or something like that? Like that dog but was around for dog. everything. Because that's a lot. Well, she should have been like you know what? No. Yeah, breaking into a house and taking a rabbit and setting the heat on and putting it in there and killing it that way? Come on. No, easily just grab a fucking kitchen knife and gut it. All she had to do was kill all she had to do was cut the rabbit's neck and then put it in the Yeah, pot. how hard is that to do with the dog? I think this the dog would have more symbolism because she likes that dog. So I think that would have more symbolism for her to kill the dog and make a point that she's just fucking on a revenge tour in nineteen eighty seven. Then killing the rabbit that just kinda showed up. And then just kind of that, you know, but it, no, but it, yeah. but it's also making a point that she's willing to break his his daughter's heart. That's how far she's willing to go. Yeah. And the and the but fact so, they used a real and, and and on top of that they used a real rabbit. You know, so I'll give him props for that. <laughs> yeah, the the yeah, rabbit was fine. a sign. It was a, a it meant purity. You know, that's what it was. Mm. So, like, that's, that's what she was destroying, the purity of the white rabbit. Uh, I mean, it's fine. And I'm not saying that it's a bad sequence. It's a great sequence. I mean, the whole lead-up of the Madame Butterfly and to Alan running to the cage and freaking out to the pot. It's a great sequence. It's a great visual. But to me, it's like that dog just has more more weight to it because it's been around longer. Like, it's, it's actually been in the apartment when they were having their fuck sessions. Like, it knows shit. Okay. That dog has seen shit, and it knows shit. Okay, and this is coming from the guy who will says, you know, don't ever, ever fucking hurt a dog in a movie. And now now the king is saying, and now the king is saying, fuck that dog up. <laughs> he skinned that motherfucker alive. That dog you know, Hannibal Lecter on that, that dog motherfucking dog. Dog should have been complicit, man. 
As soon as as soon as Beth came home, he should have been like, "Yeah, let's go over here and talk about how your husband is fucking strange while you were gone." That guy can't be trusted. <laughs> like, no. Instead, the dog was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna go over here and fucking lay on the floor and look up bathwater." At the at the end of the movie, I disappeared for a good chunk of this movie. Did you miss me? Whoa, whoa. Come on, you're like the dog disappeared. I'm like, you never see it again until the end when it's like, oh, look, there's bath water coming down. Well, Dan, I think you should go upstairs. I think your wife's about to get murdered. Do you have any more spaghetti in the fridge? You know my blackmail food that you gave me after you fucked that girl? Well, yeah, he had the dog eat the fucking spaghetti, so it looked like he was eating at home. (laughs) I know, but it's better than the fact that he gave it to the dog. Like, hey, hey, this is your blackmail. Don't you fucking dare say anything to that. Or Ellen, I know that you guys have that connection. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. like you're saying, they're hanging out at the farmhouse. What and it le- leading up to the, you know, the, like you said, the third act of you know, <laughs> just Royal Rumble upstairs in the bathroom. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it preceded by the fact that uh, somehow uh, Alex goes to the school where Ellen goes and picks her up and takes her to. Uh, an amusement park, and I love it because it's such a great example of stranger danger in the 80s. The fact that this kid was like, sure, I'll go. We're going to amusement park? Fuck la, yeah, la, yeah. La, la, Get on that. I mean, you got I don't even know who you are. <laughs> you know, I don't even know who you are, ma'am, but you're going to buy me ice cream? We're going to go on the roller coaster? Sure. Hey, hey, Ellen, give me a kiss. Sure. What? I'll see you later, stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I just I loved it. The fact that it's like, oh my god, how many parents are freaking out during that scene, going, oh my god, don't go with her. She's insane. Oh, like, yeah. you know, of course. Yeah, they say. Of course. You know, and and Beth running around town screaming until she gets into that accident and lands in the hospital. Like, ah, just yeah, it's a parent's worst nightmare. So it's like on top of the fact that you have guys freaking out that their parents are going to be found out about. Now you have the parents' worst fear of your kid disappearing and not knowing where they are and then getting on a car crash top of that place. It was a great go-go. Kind of You're right. Regular theme in the, the 80s. You know, missing children were were a real big, big fucking thing. So the fact that she did this and she made it look this easy to do it um, – you know, yeah, of course. As a parent, you're not o- not only as a parent is it like your your worst possible nightmare, but then you also it just gives mm-hmm. you yet another thing to to cheer for Beth for when she is gonna finally yeah. like you know yeah. get it. It just makes Alex all the more despicable, you know. Which realistically, yeah, you know, if they were to make this today. I think we'd see a dramatically different movie. I mean, obviously, in, in today's Me Too era, I think the you know the Michael Douglas character is going to come off as a hell of a lot shittier than than what we see in this film. But two, I think we see a more sympathetic build for Alex, and rightfully so. You know, I don't think necessarily she was a villain as much as she was broken. And you know, the fact that that Michael Douglas does things the, the, the way that he does is kind of shitty. Now, granted, look, you know, it's a, he didn't make her any promises. He, like he even says to her, you know, like, look, you knew what this was. You knew I was married. You knew I was involved with somebody else. At no point does he say to her, like, hey, I'm unhappy in my marriage. Nah, the dude just wants to get some spank on his hanglow. Um, so so they, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough... Uh, 
it's like a tough little conundrum with it. And I know they are doing a series, uh, supposedly, yes, that, that should be coming up soon for this. So we'll, we'll see what Fair they're going to do with the new shit. Yes, Paramount Plus. It'll be Michael Douglas again. Glenn Close will still be the lover in that one. Hey. Oh, God. You were worse before. Hey. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. No, she got blown up on Nova Prime. We're good. That'll be right up your alley, King, if she's 80 years old, man. No, because now Glenn Close looks like the No, I can't, because she still looks like the old woman in the bathtub in the Overlook Hotel. That Jack starts to make out. Every time I see that, I'm like, Glenn Close? No, it's not Glenn Close. But it's close enough. <laughs> no, it, it, it's terrible. It's haunting. Oh, there's a pause. Yeah, it's haunting. Close enough. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. New series coming out. But no, it, especially when we see the finale of what happens now. It's like, oh, my God, if the prophecy's coming true, she's going to be the bathtub ghost in the Overlook Hotel. Like, you know, she died the way she lived. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, especially when they try to do that Diabolique style, you know, bathtub drowning with, with the yeah. white contacts in. Well, we're getting there because we, we, we have to remember that there's like a 20 minute getting ready for the bathtub sequence that involves just everything like water, yeah. like towels, the fact that that water's probably so hot that you're going to cook as soon as you get in there. Well, let's just add a little bit of cold water in there. Like, you know, the whole bathroom is just covered in steam, and there's so many fucking steps. Like, I was like, oh, man, we only have 10 minutes left, and it's all just getting ready for the bathtub. Like fucking Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live trying to get in the hot tub. Going to get in the hot tub! Too hot! Like, you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's just, it was filler. It's all it was. I mean, and this is what I talked about when I said that this is getting into slasher territory. Because they have the whole preparation of everything with the bathtub, with, with Beth trying to get in there, wiping the mirrors down, and all of a sudden, there's Alice standing behind her. I'm like, that, fuck, what am I in, a Friday 13th movie? This is great. <laughs> Somebody saw a flasher film and put the mirror trick in there, and I, I, I dig it. As much as I hate the mirror trick, I was like, you know what, it worked for this one, because all of a sudden, she's standing behind her, and she's doing that thing with the knife where she's just scratching herself with it and causing her to bleed, and we ask, oh, shit. Yeah, we are, we are in it now. So now here's the thing you got to remember, and this is where I think some of your 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 issues with this this build up sequence comes into play. This is the mm-hmm. ending that was changed. So the original ending, right, yeah. which you know, obviously you have Michael Douglas is the confrontation in the kitchen when he bursts into the house. He starts choking the shit out of her. You know, she goes after him with the knife. He wrestles the knife out of her hands. We see him put the knife on the counter, and she kind of gives it like a look with like a smile. So you know, something's going on in her head regarding this. Right. Um, original ending had Alex killing herself with that knife and Michael Douglas taking the fall for it, um, being that he had his fingerprints mm-hmm. on the damn thing. Now, of course, this gets resolved, you know, supposedly by his wife, Beth, finding the tape upstairs and Alex saying, yeah. I'm going to kill myself, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, come on, Alex, we got to go get daddy, um, which I thought was completely <laughs> yeah. lame. But through the yeah. scene of Alex in the bathroom, cutting her own throat, which I thought was kind of like a, an interesting scene 
Um, so now you got to take all of that away and put you, this build up into it for your ending instead. So I think that's why this seems to take a little bit of time. I think the suspense is trying to figure out, like, oh, fuck, where's Alex? They don't know where she is. Nobody yeah. knows where she yeah. is. What's this crazy lady going to do? And it's just that, yeah, but once it gets started, it's fucking just, it's full bore, which is what I love about it. It's the fact that as soon as that dog, that complicit fucking dog, starts licking the water off the floor, all of a sudden Dan's like, there's something wrong, there's danger in this house. Running up the stairs and then immediately getting fucking attacked with that knife. And not even just politely, she's ripping that fucking shower curtain apart when she's standing up. You know, I mean, that is one sharp kitchen knife, and I was digging it. The fact that she was getting so many shots, and, and so he just got so pissed off. He's like, I'm just going to drag her over to that tub and drown her. And you get to see that really cool sclera eye lens effect in her eyes. Uh-huh. Where her eyes go all the way back. And, again, you're fucking going full horror with this. Like, this isn't erotic thriller anymore. You're just giving us horror, and I love it. That's why I love the fact that they give it to you when they give it to you. You know, they, when you want to be horror, they give it to you. It'll be erotic. <laughs> yeah. but, but then you see, you know, the eyes settle, and then she's underneath that water. And, of course, we're going by slasher movie rules at this point. You got to double tap because the killer is never <laughs> dead when you think that they're dead. And as soon as he's like, oh, man, hey, uh, Beth, I killed my lover. I killed my pregnant lover for you, and we're going to be okay. She bursts out of that water, but quick draw McGraw Beth, but bang, right in that chest. Well, no, because yeah. we saw him it's open like the drawer. We saw him open the drawer downstairs earlier when he was looking for something, mm-hmm. and you see yeah. the gun in the drawer. So while she's while he's busy fighting with Alex with the knife, even the cool girl brought it up. She goes, "Where the fuck's his wife?" You know, during all of this shit. <laughs> so she obviously ran downstairs. Yeah grabbed the gun, came running up, and was just poised and ready to go at that precise and perfect moment. Um, I do love this whole sequence as well, though. You know, like, I remember it as a kid. It creeps me out, seeing her under the water like that, between the eye effect, and then even when she's, you know, quote-unquote dead, and she's just, like, laying there in the water. It was just such a such a creepy visage. Um and then obviously, yes, she's going to do the, 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 the chasing Voorhees, jump out of the water, and, you know, she ends up taking the bullet with the chest. But like the ghoul girl said on this one, this actually makes more sense by making Beth an active person in the film at this point. Ultimately, she gets yeah, to be yeah. the one that fixes the family by eliminating the threat to her family, as opposed to Michael Douglas's character simply being... Not only was he a, you know, a, a, a cheating husband, but now he's also a murderer on top of it. Um, so I think by, by taking that away from it, like the guy already did enough wrong to this woman, you know, at least this woman did something wrong to Beth. Gonna do it. Beth gets to have, have the, uh, the final say. But again, that also n- nails into what I was saying throughout the entire thing is he's not able to take responsibility for his actions. His wife has to step in and take responsibility because he can't. Yeah, but, you know, the, we, we set that up earlier. Like I said, when she has that moment on the phone, if you come to my family, I'll kill you. So it kind of makes does, sense in the long run. So to have Beth yep. be the one to do it, <clears throat> she should have dropped that gun on the floor and called him a straight-up bitch. 
You didn't even make sure she was dead, Dan. How many slasher movies have we watched? Yeah, plenty, Dan. And you're just going to just drown her? And you're not even going to you know, try to stab her? No? <laughs> I'm an asshole. And, and oh, at that point, that he turns around to her, and he goes, well, see, this is why I fucked her in the first place. You know, like, this, these are the little <laughs> yeah. things we didn't see. We didn't see Maggie Beth. We didn't see Beth that's sitting there insulting his, you know, his tiny little penis. You know what I mean? There's, there's all these things about Beth that we think she's such a great girl, but, you know, she was probably a fucking horrible person. Oh, okay. oh, I mean, maybe. But, uh, I, mean I, I don't think so. I, just, I mean, she's willing to kill for her family, so, I mean, that's pretty fucking hardcore. But, <laughs> yeah, what a way to end that movie. They kill the, the woman that tried to kill them, and all of a sudden she's like, you're a bitch, and he's like, well, that's why I fucked her. Credits. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yes! Wow, fatal attraction! You just had to end it that way. All right. Balls, but you know, I don't know what I mean. Said you end on the you know the whole family picture, and it's like, oh, we're good. <laughs> you know? No, yeah. I was like, this movie rules. Thank you, Adrian Lin. Like you're ending it on them fighting each other. <laughs> if they're not fighting, they're going to the house. Do you really think that this marriage needs a gun, honey? You really think we need to include a gun in this marriage? No, but no. Hey, listen, it's New York in the '80s. It's New York in the '80s, man. You know? Yeah, so I, everybody I, so had a gun. It's still fun. But anyway, uh, so, Ghoul, your pick is next week. I know that the Dean is going to be taking off oh, in two weeks. So what do you have for the monkey and I next week? Uh, again, I uh, I preempted this with you guys a couple of weeks ago to make sure everybody could find oh, it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I take us to the land of the rising sun. Uh, we are going to go into what is a film based off of an anime, uh, none other than Tokyo Ghoul. Um, so we will uh, we will be checking this this out. Which again, I've seen a couple episodes of the anime, and I know it's a uh, it's bloody, it's gory, it's you know I don't know something about <sighs> zombie like creatures that are like kind of like vampires eating people. So that that is what we're going to be looking at. Tokyo Ghoul, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. That is what we're going to be looking at. Oh, man, I wish I could join the Dean and go on vacation next week. But, no, I will be here. I will be here to deliver our news and to meet the Ghoul's cousin. Not Tokyo directed Ghoul. by Zack Snyder. All right. Well, we'll see if it's not directed we'll, by Zack Snyder. Three minutes. No, no, that's, that's it. <laughs> No, no, I'm more ghoul. I mean, I'm more monkey. I'm, I'm checking this out. But, yeah, so that'll be next week. Uh, Tokyo <laughs> Ghoul, directed by, you know, uh, Mr. Tokyo Anime Makasori, or whatever the hell name is that I'm going to mispronounce next week. So that'll be Tokyo Ghoul. All right. So, anyway, like I said, Dean, uh, you're going to be out for the next two weeks, so we wish you bon voyage, and we'll see you back here uh, on the ranch in a couple of weeks. Yes. All right. Return. As always, a man uh, of many works. Yes. <laughs> Do your TV yes. thing. Return. When it is time to return, Monkey? and that, that is when I will make my return. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Just, re- just remember, it is okay to fuck strange for a one-night stand, but never give them your actual phone number. Thanks for letting me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and sign yourself off, Google, as we close out tonight's very sexy and very strange episode. You know what, man? Yeah, with the monkey talking about that, it's okay to get strange and all this and that. You know what, man? I disagree. As like I said, as somebody that uh, that that was <laughs> philandering pos man, don't do it. You know, stay home, or if you really don't want to be with the person, leave them and be done with it. Otherwise, stay scared. 
as we always say, love the one you're with or leave them. <laughs> Do whatever, really. We don't care. As long as you're back here to listen to our podcast, we can support any decision that you make. We don't care. Just listen to the episode. Go to the divorce hearing. Be like, you know what? I got to listen to new episodes talking care. I'll be right back, Judge. It's fine. We love you for it. Anyway, hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Watch horror movies. Keep America strong. We'll see you back here next week for the Tokyo Ghoul. Alex's tip.